Test. Yo. Test, 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 test. Oh, that was... Yo, yo. That was a big gulp of... I can't say it on here. Man, KD does his impression of the Game of Thrones grayscale, Michael Porter might be out for the season, and John Wall is getting paid without getting play. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good, feeling great. How are you, you, and you? <laughs> feeling good, man. John, how you living? So fresh and so clean, clean, man. How are you? I'm <laughs> good. Sammy, how you living, my friend? Just another day in paradise, my friend. Well, the Phoenix Suns hold on to beat the Brooklyn Nets on the road, 113-107, to for their 16th consecutive win. JJ, what did you think of this game? The Suns took control of the whole game. They went to New York, they dominated the Knicks, and then they dominated the Nets. And everyone was thinking, where is Kyrie? <laughs> it's going to be the long-lasting question until he comes back right. to the Nets. True. Which is somewhat annoying because it really downplays the Nets' greatness with Durant and any opponent that they play. But props to Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Suns team. They're currently sitting at third with the fish, uh, defensive deficiency and seventh with the offensive uh, efficiency. So that really shouts that they're in the play for a championship run. The only ingredient that I would say they're missing is an MVP candidate. And you could argue that Devin Booker is almost there. I wouldn't say that he's top eight quite yet, but they're lurking strong. They have the chemistry, they have the roster. On the flip side, you had a triple-double from James Harden, but the Nets, you really need an offensive explosion from all their players because they're not going to beat you with their defense. So, go let Miss Test for the Suns who will have their greatest challenge tomorrow against the Warriors. Yeah, I can't wait to, to watch that one. And speaking of the Warriors, the Warriors defeated Sammy's LA Clippers 105 to 90. Sammy, I gotta ask you, man. Seems kind of cruel. But what did you think of that game? Hate it. Well, the Clippers held serve in the probably most of the first half, but you could tell they were just kind of hanging on for the ride. And then we got into a point in the game, Warriors started to pull away. And then it wasn't even the Clippers, the referees incited Curry. And after that, the game was over. It was 79 to 70 when that happened, and Curry couldn't miss after that. Pulled out all the Chef Curry tricks. But overall, I think this game exposed the Clippers' biggest flaw, which is this. Against teams that don't play great defense, that are in that bottom half of defensive efficiency that Jay just mentioned, they can get by, and they can manufacture offense and manufacture playmaking. But against a good defensive team, and the Warriors are number one in defensive efficiency, the Clippers' lack of playmaking severely shows up. And the only real playmaker on the team right now is actually PG. And he wasn't a playmaker up until about a few years ago, until he came to the Clippers. And I think that's the one underrated thing about Kawhi being out that isn't discussed enough, is that the, the Clippers' primary two playmakers now are actually Kawhi and PG. They're the only guys in the team that averaged more than five assists last year. And so with Kawhi out, it all falls on PG, and he's done a good job at it, but then you'll see his turnover numbers have skyrocketed. Like, he had 35-5 and five in this game, but he also had eight turnovers because there was no one else generating any offense. And in this game, Jackson 
literally didn't score. He didn't do much of anything. Only two other guys were in double figures. And so a good defensive team can expose that. And so until Kawhi gets back, they either need to figure out other ways to create offense or they need to find another point guard, like a Ricky Rubio type, not him specifically, that can put other guys in positions to make shots because it's just not there right now. On the Warriors side, this team, from my perspective, as someone who's not necessarily a fan of theirs, looks like the teams from 15, 16, 17, those really, those title teams. Because They're it's, looking good. Yeah, the most underrated aspect of all those teams was how good the defense was. And that team's mm-hmm. defense is absolute lockdown, and you're still without clay. So they just they put the Clippers in a straitjacket pretty much that entire second half, and it was just done. So... Yeah. There's just nothing I've seen. There's no smoke and mirrors on the part of the Warriors. I'm sure no one thinks that anymore, but if there's any doubters left, just the way they play defense is so impressive to me. I mean, Clay Thompson, James Wiseman, they're going to team up with Kaminga and Moody occasionally to form the greatest G League team we've ever seen <laughs> until the playoffs hit. But anyway, the Miami Heat top the Chicago Bulls at home 107-104. to John, what do you think of this game? I think these are the two teams that nobody's talking about in the league. I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them made the finals in the East. And with the Bucks having injury issues, with the Nets having Kyrie issues, and the 76ers having Ben Simmons issues, Excuse I think that it's pretty open in the Eastern Conference. So for this game, it was kind of, a, I guess, a litmus test against each other because they're both dark horse teams. Right. Close game, 107-104. The Miami Heat topped the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. So that was an impressive win for them. Kyle Lowry, new addition, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals across the board. Great, great contributions. Jimmy Butler, 18, 5, and 5 steals. And then DeRozan, who is probably the surprise of the year for a lot of people, just fitting in with that team really well for, with Chicago for 28 points, yeah. even though they lost. And of course, my boy Caruso, the Caruso. I can't mention the bull. I can't talk about the Bulls and not mention him, right? So he had 22 Laker, points, great. 22 points, and just just playing defense, going all out. Man, I, I miss my guy. But great game, and hopefully we'll we'll see more. I think we'll, they meet up a few more times. So hopefully it's as good as that one. Yeah, I agree. And you know the Milwaukee Bucks beat down on the Denver Nuggets, 120 to 109. I'm just gonna mention real quick that the Greek Freak records a 24, 13 and seven in the win. Aaron Gordon um, had a pretty good game, but I really think the Nuggets were just kind of waiting for Nikola Jokic to get back. He actually came back tonight in a big win against the Heat, which was kind of interesting. But anyway, I'm gonna talk about the Nuggets' Michael Porter Jr. Is set to have back surgery. He's reportedly out for the rest of the season. What do you guys think of this? Yikes. This was the risk. Yeah, yikes is the word. This was the risk with with Porter going as far back as the draft. And I was reading back on on his draft reviews and prospects, and some teams, Clippers included, actually had him off the board completely because some teams never thought he would actually play in the NBA. So we, we've spoken about this prior that we felt like they had to give him that contract because if they didn't, someone else would. But unfortunately, with with Michael Porter, more than any other player, the injury risk was significant. I hope he gets back on the court next year and is able to continue his career. But 
a back problem is is no joke and that injury from when it was first reported wasn't just a back injury there were some nerve related issues from what i remember reading as well so it's it's scary and you gotta hope for the team and for him that they'll be able to repair him and get him good to go so he can play next year yeah it's definitely an unfortunate situation i i think for michael porter jr as he wants to play basketball and he probably loves the game and he secured his money, so good for him. And that's why you see a lot of these players, when they're negotiating, they want those longer-term deals because they don't know, you know, the future is uncertain. And, but for Michael Porter Jr., they kind of knew a little bit about his back issues, even dating back to college, or his injury problems. So Denver took a risk. They took a gamble. It's clearly not paying off in the short term. And hopefully it it'll get better in the long term. But back issues, again, like Sammy said, are really tricky. They are debilitating, and they, those are the ones that linger. I mean, everybody here on this panel, we have back issues, and we don't play basketball. We barely do anything athletic. <laughs> Hold on. Maybe I'll speak for myself. No, we, we're athletic, <laughs> but we have back issues when we wake up in the morning. So, yeah, I hope it all works out for, for both parties, though. The issue with the back, and we're always you know, preach this by our parents, by older people's watch out, make sure you could almost injure everything. I mean, knock on wood, but the one thing to always look out for is your back. Yes, sir. Because you never know the road of recovery. And unfortunately, the timetable for Michael Porter Jr. is undefined. It's not definite when he'll come back. And that's really scary, like what we've all said here. But if we're going to just talk about the Nuggets in general, the NBA is a league where the salary is guaranteed. So meaning Michael Porter Jr. And I don't want to talk about how the injury is negative, you know, because it's a it's a huge thing for him. But it's a huge thing for the Nuggets because he did get paid and that $205 million is now taken out from players that could potentially be signed to the Nuggets. Right. And there's a lot of pressure with Joker. Uh, Murray is supposed to come back, but we don't know when. So now the front office, they have some decisions to make. And it'll be really interesting to see how they're going to move forward, especially with Michael Porter Jr. with the indefinite timeline. You know, that's a, that's a great point. And I'm actually reading here right now that it's actually his third back surgery, which is pretty crazy and people forget that last year you know before they took Aaron Gordon um that team was actually rolling like that Nuggets team was really good they look they looked like a dark horse to actually win the West with the way Murray Jokic Michael Porter and then they added Aaron Gordon oh. and they didn't play all together at the same time for very long but what we did see was a very cohesive unit and I think the right move was probably to buy into that by giving him the contract, hoping that, you know, in the near future, he would be able to put it all together. But man, this injury does suck for the Nuggets and does suck for Michael Porter. Um, I guess we'll just see what news um, kind of trickles in later on this week. Right. Can I can I add one more point about this? Uh, actually, just I think this whole contract is also a point of the economics of the NBA. And what I mean by that is you look at Denver, they've been able to get a free agent or two occasionally over the last 20 years, but this is a team that has to draft their talent predominantly. Yeah. And 
all three of those guys, Porter, Jokic, and Murray, were all drafted by that team. And then any other major players, like Gordon in this case, was traded for. The last major free agent, I'm sure I'm missing somebody here, but I'm thinking of going all the way back to Iggy years ago when they when they signed him. So you, you do wonder if this was sake of argument since these are the teams that we know like if this was the Warriors if this was the Nets if this was the Lakers would they have given him the max that fast knowing that they have the ability to bring in outside talent a lot easier than a Denver or for that matter like a Utah these teams that have managed to stay relatively near the top in their conference without necessarily having to bring in guys from the outside and I do think that played into this, so that's the other reason I don't fault them for forgetting them the contract. But it's just an interesting thought about the economics of the NBA, where there's clearly a big market group and a small market group, and yeah. how you have to acquire talent and retain talent is so different between those two sides of the coin. Yeah. Location, even... location, location. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, Absolutely. Absolutely. That is correct. You, you were saying that earlier, Sammy, that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate... But it's, uh, it's something that they sort of had to do. And we'll just kind of see how uh, the Nuggets deal with this loss. And anyway, the football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to score, can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 gambler the Knicks Tom Thibodeau is reporting that Kemba Walker is out of the rotation and not only the Knicks have news but also the Brooklyn Nets because they announced that Blake Griffin is also out of the rotation so what what do you guys think of both stories here these two seemingly big names being out of rotation I think it's pretty cool in some sort of fashion that the head coaches, Thibs and Nash, they're not scared to bench these big name players. Where we've had, for example, here we go, shots at Portland. <laughs> they felt forced to play mellow last year. They did. And Stotts yeah. even said that we're not gonna take out this Hall of Fame player out of the rotation because he's a Hall of Fame player. Thibs and Nash, they're going off performance, current performance, not past performance. And I don't know if it's the right move, especially for Kemba Walker, but I think it's pretty uh, fitting that Alec Burks is scoring a lot. He's known to score a lot. He did that with the Warriors. And we'll see, they beat uh, the Hawks, which was a promising sign. Yeah. And they had a seven game uh, losing streak. So. I'm interested to see how they move forward with Kemba Walker since he is getting paid at New York. I would also just say on this front, you look at these two guys, and I'm not instantly assuming it's all injury related, but 
What's the common factor with both of them health-wise? Their knees are shot oh, on yeah. some level. And with with Blake, we we looked at his numbers this year. I mean, he's shooting under 32%, 16% from the three-point line. And I give him credit. When he went to Detroit and his athleticism wasn't quite there, he started to evolve his game. He stepped out behind the three-point line. He became a, a great playmaker. And if he's not able to do that and the athleticism is not where it is, then unfortunately what we're seeing this year is a result. And so like Jay said, the you got to give credit to Nash for understanding that and making the move to bench him. It's funny that the way the Nets are structured and even older guy actually took his spot in Aldridge, but Aldridge fits what that team needs right now. Uh, with Kemba too, we saw what, what happened with him the last couple of years in Boston. Clearly his knees are not in great shape and you do wonder if he came out fresh to start the year, and I know we're a quarter into the season, but maybe that's affected him at this point. Um, I would imagine both of these guys are going to get back in the rotation at some point this year. You would have to think. It's a long season. So it's it's interesting that these moves happen now, but it sounds like it's they're the right moves in both cases based on current performance. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think that they, you made a good point about the injuries, that they are both old. They've had injury histories. And they're probably not playing up to expectations. That's probably a big part of the reason, but also because they're just... Well, Kemba Walker's on a new team. Blake Griffin, he's he's definitely at the end of his career, towards the end of it. But like you said, I don't know if they're going to be able to stay out of this rotation long-term. Because they did. these guys are important pieces to a team that wants to make a deep playoff run and has championship aspirations, even though the New York Knicks are probably on the outer end of that. Bruh. So I think that it's temporary and they'll try to incorporate them maybe slower, slowly, or try to get them into a rhythm or maybe get them healthier, like you said, Sammy, but they, that wasn't discussed, but maybe they are injured. So it remains to be seen, but it, it again, I think JJ also made a good point that it's cool that these coaches are don't aren't enamored with the big names because a lot of the times we'll see these big names and we'll think, man, why aren't they playing? Well you got to base it off performance. If they're, you know, stinking it up out there, you can't continue to play them, <laughs> regardless who they are. Maybe we should have benched Michael Jordan with the Wizards. No, that would be really blasphemous. <laughs> that is blasphemous. Curiosity. You went there. I went there. Out of curiosity, um, if you guys were a team that was searching for a trade, who would you rather kick the tires on and take a risk? Would you rather try to get Kemba Walker or would you rather try to get Blake Griffin? And we're not going to talk about, oh, it depends on the roster construction, where the team's at. Just who would you get the most juice out of? Kemba. Kemba. 150% Kemba is who I would go for between the two. I was going to go that way too. Why? Go ahead and defend it. What do you think? I just, I think with Blake, athleticism was so much a part of of his game. And I had mentioned that he had evolved, but if that athleticism is gone, then this is the result. And so I just don't know if he comes back from it. Whereas Kemba, obviously a lot of his game was based off athleticism, but I don't think as much of it was. So maybe he has a little, little bit more left in the tank. I think, well, it's mostly because Kemba is just a much better shooter than Blake Griffin is. And if you can shoot in this league, which it's gearing more towards that style, right? If you're a shooter, you have a place in the NBA now, regardless if you're terrible in defense, you can't rebound, you can't throw the ball to a teammate. If you can shoot, you have a place here. And Kemba Walker, if he, you take away the ball out of his hands, he can still be a spot-up shooter. He can 
be the sixth man off the bench. So he has more of utility if you're talking about him or Blake Griffin. Yeah. If these players were in the, if their contracts were bought out, do you think Blake Griffin would get signed at the end of the year? Or do you think he's out of the league? I, I think someone does. I, I personally think someone does. And the reason being is because I don't know if people see it the same way that I do, but he was pretty productive when Kyrie Irving was on the court. And I think it might be a roster construction thing that's going on with Blake Griffin, why he, he isn't producing the same way. He's not meant to just sit there in the corner and just wait for three-pointers to come his way. He's meant to be put in actions where there's a lot more pick and roll, a lot more movement. I know that this is like an alarming drop-off, but I still think someone kicks the tires on Blake Griffin just to see what you can get out of him just because he's a big name. But Kemba Walker is the one that I am most curious about where he goes because I think there's something still there. I know his numbers aren't great, but Tom Thibodeau isn't really an offensive genius. We've all seen Nick basketball. There's a lot of isolation plays. It's very simple. You could figure that thing out in, in a second. I think that's why they also have some playoff woes. So someone obviously smarter than me could probably figure out how to use Kemba Walker better than Tom Thibodeau. I think that's the one where I'm like, I I think there still might be something there. It just seems ridiculous that it's completely out of the rotation. Like he should at least be coming off the bench, right? Wow, yeah. I'm Mr. Manager. I, I did want to answer JJ's question about if I think Blake Griffin would be signed by a team. I do. In my wildest dreams though, he would go to the Clippers and the Lakers. Would... <laughs> and the Funny Lakers... enough, because I figured he'd go back to the Lakers. No, no, no. And the Lakers Join would DJ. trade the Lakers would trade DeAndre Jordan to the Clippers. And they'd also trade for Chris Paul and we get the the two point oh lob city. Yeah, where there's the corpse of Lob City. Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea where those lobs would end up. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I have some shocking news for you guys. Slam had released photos of Kevin Durant warming up, and I think they were trying to highlight his shoes. If you haven't seen it, you gotta look this up. There's like a little sliver of his ankle showing and i could only describe it as like snake skin dry ankle what did you guys think of this photo oh my goodness i i i know you mentioned this in the beginning of the episode but i seriously thought it was a game of thrones (laughs) (laughs) and not it wasn't just the the picture of the ankles that made me crack up it, it was the tweets from all the other nba players and the nba analysts like draymond green yeah and of course you had to see katie's tweet which he had to clap back which made it 10 times worse for him and we've talked about it whenever someone makes a comment about you don't give it any attention because <laughs> The reciprocation from the media and other players is going to be exponentially 10 times worse. Right. As soon as this happened, I immediately logged on to Twitter and I was trying to pull up KD's account just because I know that there was going to be comment after comment. And we did talk about what KD tweeted, right? He said, quote, I'm about to pull all, pull my y'all broke blank card in a second. (laughs) Fudge y'all. End quote. 
And I mean, let's, is anybody really surprised by that? We're talking about no. Kevin Durant's ashy ankles. And oh, shit. for anybody that yeah. has, I mean, we've all had ashy skin, right? Come on, get some lotion or something like that. But it, with Kevin Durant, it's just amazing because anytime you, you make a fun of him, you call him an idiot or you call him any kind of name, he's going to flip out and just like, just like, yeah, exactly. And it was just amazing for me to see. My favorite part of the whole thing was Draymond by far, especially the, uh, the comments that he made on, on his podcast actually about how he found out, I think it was from, uh, Bam Adebayo. He was saying Mm -hmm. that, that he found out and he was saying he hadn't spoken to Katie yet, but he planned to, and he knew that the response he would get was F y'all. And he said that he was going to call Rich Kleiman and tell him to parlay that into a sponsorship for KD. I think he compared it not to Game of Thrones, but to alligator skin that he could skin and sell. (laughs) The thing is, is that what surprises me is that, like, KD, like, it's not serious, dude. Like, we're just talking about ashy skin. Like, why are you getting so offended? Like, Like, some people would, like, steer into the skin. And be like, oh, like, you know, I ran out of my my Shaq's gold bun. Talk to him. Something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but this guy just responds in the strangest ways. All right, for our next topic, John Wall denied reports that he views himself as the Rockets' number one option in potential return. So what do you guys think of this? Well, so the first thing I'm thinking just uh, with this whole story is he obviously he went to the team, said that he wants to get back on the court. So I do commend him for that because he could actually sit home and just collect his dough. And it's a lot, as we've talked about before. I think it's 44 this year, 47 next year with the player option that by all means he's going to pick up. So he clearly wants to play. Um, Houston is very clearly on the tank wagon and doesn't want anyone productive to play right now. So what this ends up creating a question of is, is anyone going to try to trade for him? In a society that as, is as skeptical as ours today, whenever somebody says they deny a report of anything that they said, especially in the <laughs> limelight of the NBA, you know that everybody thinks the opposite, that he yeah. absolutely said that. He probably said it multiple times. He probably said it in his sleep i don't know it's to me it's just it's weird it's gonna be hard for them to find a trade partner i mean he's still owed a lot of money and the rockets are not great they're a rebuilding team so uh, i don't know what's gonna happen but it'll be interesting to see this is just a prime example of how nba players once they sign, like it's it it resembles the contract issues in the nba we have these superstar players that sign long-term deals, and then once they sign it, they regret it even though they're getting paid. We saw this, what, two years ago with James Harden, signed a big contract, and then he complained. He forced his way out of Houston. So now you have the Rockets who have a young core of players who they want to develop, who they sent, who, they want to essentially tank like what John and Sammy were saying, but you have this huge asset in John Wall, and if you play him, you potentially win games, which ironically you don't want to do, but you're paying this player. 
So what do you do with this asset if he's getting paid so much that he's not even worth the trade piece? I'm the party pooper. Yeah. So John Wall, he unfortunately, even though it's a player's league, he's he's sitting in a tough spot because who would want to trade for a bad contract with his productivity? It doesn't match. And that's always the question with every single NBA player. Does your contract match your productivity on the court? Right. And with John Wall, it doesn't, right? Yeah, the, the juice doesn't seem worth the squeeze, per se, for John Wall. And the first thing I have to say is that I don't believe you. I don't believe you, John Wall. I don't believe that you don't think you're the number one option. And the reason being is because I don't know anyone that has won, that has been like a multi all-star person who goes to a young team like the Rockets and says, you know what, I'm not the guy here. No, of course you think you're the guy. And I think what he's really trying to do is just trying to finesse his way onto another team, right? He knows people want to hear that. He knows people want to hear, oh, he's a team guy now. He's not going to view himself as the number one option. So, yeah, maybe we should take on this guy. And it's been such a weird John Wall journey. Like, no one's really talking about him sitting on the bench, just waiting for a trade. Like, one day it's going to magically happen. Um, but I am glad that he is going to be on the court to see what he does and see how he could potentially fit with other teams because we have not talked John Wall even though he's been part of the league in a long time. Yeah! So we, we talk about, and everyone has talked about, Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving. Right. But would you guys trade Kyrie Irving for John Wall? If you were the Nets GM. If I was the Nets, probably. If he's vaccinated. <laughs> if he could actually play in games. Ah, uh, the $91.7 million right. question. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I would do it. I would just want a player that would play in games. I think that's, that's where I'm at with the Nets right now. Would you guys do it? No, because I think, I think Kyrie's going to play this year. I'm still a believer in that. Oh my god. I think they're going I think they're going to bend the rules somehow or make a new pull an mandate, Aaron pull an Aaron Rodgers or something. Do something. We'll oh see. God. I, I know, guess we'll man. see. But anyway, that is all we have for tonight's pod. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you everybody. Good night. John, thank you for being on. Thank you. Let's normalize ashy skin. It's normal, guys. Sammy thank you for being on my friend have a good night (laughs) and of course I'm Rosa Panta this is the clinic all NBA podcast come find us wherever you get your podcasts